say a little prayer now because maybe some of you may know somebody that's uh, been like that young lady who got messed up with drugs. And it looks as though that God may not care for her, that God may have given up on her, but he hasn't. He's the God that stays after people, that cares for people. When he leaves a little daughter on the porch waiting for no ride home from school and the grandparents have to go get her, we're that, we have a God who stays. Let's say a prayer. God in heaven, in our community, we don't know what heartbreak is out there. But somehow help us through our love and through our passion to show the world that you're the God who stays, that you love us very much. You never, ever give up on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm beginning a new series of sermons for this month. It's on love notes from God. And I want you to see four love notes this week. We're going to look at uh, Psalm 136 in just a minute. But I want you to see God's love note, and I want you to see... This is the first love note I want to read for us to consider today. It's found in Psalm 136, so find your Bible. And we're going to read this, and then we're going to read the whole chapter together because I want you to hear a lot of what God has to say and less of what Jerry Hayes has to say today about how much God loves you. And I want that love to transfer from us to other people, to people who are broken. And by the way, I want you to know this. We forget this as church members. We kind of think that the people out there who are all messed up on drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be, people that are fighting and doing all kinds of things, people that are robbing in all the part of society, we kind of think that they're unreachable, but the answer is no, God loves them. And, and we have to think about this as a church, that we need to become, and, and this, this, this is a price to pay, folks, to what I'm about to say, we have to become a church that's more interested in the down and out than the up and out. Jesus' ministry, entire ministry was, was designed and targeted toward the poor, the broken, the confused, the religiously awful people. Jesus reached them. And we have to have that kind of church to be the kind of church that Jesus wants to be a part of. I want you to see what this says in Psalm 136, verse 1. I want to read you the promise. It's on God's little heart. It says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. We have a God who stays. I want you to keep following with me. If you look at Psalm 136, it says this, give thanks to God. In verse 2, his faithful, the God of gods, he gives his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of the lords. His faithful love endures forever. He alone does great wonders. His faithful love endures forever. He made the heavens skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. He spread the land on the waters. His faithful love endures forever. He made the great lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule by day, his faithful lover endures forever. And I'm not going to read all that, but let me just tell you this. There are 26 verses. I'm not going to read the whole chapter because I want you to get this. Basically, here's what the chapter 126 says. God's faithful love is forever. It's there. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. God says, my love was present at the beginning. He's also going to say to us, my love is present during the, the life, span of life and, and the duration of life. And then he's going to conclude by saying, my love is present at the end of life. He's there at the beginning. He's there in the middle. He's there at the end. There's nowhere God isn't in our life. My love, he says, was present at the beginning of the man. Verse 1 through 8 tells carefully how God made everything. The Bible says he gave himself to us. He is good, verse 1 through 3. It says he gives us wonders in verse 4. It says God is the God of understanding. How many know this, that God understands when you don't understand? God, love, God gives us creative power, his love does. 
The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. And when you look at the beauty of this world, it's a loving God saying, this is what I've given you. Love it. It shows my love. God was there at the beginning. He knows man. And he knows the man he created. He knew everything about Adam. He knew in advance that Adam was going to blow it. And guess what? He knows it when you blew it. He knows when in advance when we're going to sin and when we do awful things. God's love is there for He loves us so much. In fact, one person put it like this. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. He loves you that much. God is love. Why were we created? I mean, look at the whole design here. This is a, it really could be put into catechism if you've ever taken catechism. And I think it's unfortunate that the Catholics and the Lutherans teach catechism, and sometimes Baptists need to get back and, and learn some catechism, which basically means what is it we believe about God, the Bible, and the life. In catechism, here's what it says about our relationship to God. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him and love Him forever. That's why you're created. You're not created to build a kingdom down this earth. Your job and your reason you're created and the reason I'm created is to glorify God who made everything, who made us. God is love. The word in Greek is phileo. Philadelphia gets that, that name from, not that they love everybody in Philadelphia. I mean, how, could you, how, can it, how could there be love if there's eagles up there? I don't know. Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but God, basically the, the word in the Greek means that love toward us. God has a love toward us. And then, the, 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 then it has a love for us. The favor of God is theophileo. That God has a loving relationship with mankind he created. And so I want you to know God loves you. In James chapter 2 verse 23 it says, From the beginning God cultivated a loving relationship with God. With, with himself. In fact, as the Bible says this about God's love with some, one of these Old Testament characters, how many know Abraham? I, you don't know him, but you heard about him. Abraham. You know what Abraham was called in Scripture according to James 2, 23? Abraham was called the friend of God. Hey, you can't be a friend of God if you're against God. You, if you're an enemy, are you the friend? Hey, Abraham was called the friend of God. And I want you to know, God calls you friend. Hello, friend. The fact is, I came across this little article. You want to jot these down. Five ways to know God's your best friend. Come on, take your pens out. You can write this down, folks. Take it on your phone. Take this down. I'll go slowly. Five ways. I could have put these, but I want you to activate it. Activate it. Because if you reach the head and reach the hand, if you can reach the hand and the hand and the hand and the head, you can then reach the heart. So let's reach your hands and heads right now. Let's write these five things down, okay? Or if you get sitting next to somebody by phone, say, get off of that show and listen to the sermon. <laughs> five ways you can know God's your best friend. Number one, God listens to you. The psalmist says, I can lay my request before God. God wants to know how you feel. Not everybody wants to know how you feel. You tell your problem to somebody, and before long, you've shifted from your problem to theirs, and theirs is much longer. God listens. God is honest. He doesn't lie. Titus chapter 1, verse 2 says, God never tells a lie. You ever told a lie? You ever caught a fish that was this big, that grew this big in a sermon? <laughs> yeah, amen. 
So God doesn't lie. So God tells the truth. He's honest. Number three, God is, is encouraging. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans. I've got plans to, for you. I've got plans to bless you, not to curse you. I got plans. I, I, I got some plans for you, Jerry Hayes. And let me say this. You can put your name there, too. God has some plans for you, Chris, Stephanie, Kelly. I mean, every one of us can put our name there, Heather. God has plans for you. Every one of us can do that. Number four, God enjoys spending time with us. The Bible says this, he cares for people. And the loving God says, I want all people to be saved. And I know we can talk about predestination and all that. Listen, the God I know cares for everybody. Number five, God loves us even when we sin. Ever have somebody offend you? Do you want to forgive them or do you want to get even? God says, I want to forgive the Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God loves us, that while, in fact, the translation that I have says this, that God loves us so much that while we're in the very act of sinning, He sees us doing the act of that sin and says, I still love you. Wow. Wow. Remember the song, Friend of God? Who am I that you're mindful of me? That you hear me when I call. Is it true that you're thinking of me? How you love me is so amazing. I am a friend of God. He calls Jerry Hayes friend. I want you to know as a friend of God today, I want you to know today that God loves you. He's loved you from the beginning. But he also loved you through the span of life, through the enduration of life, the duration of life. In verses 10 through 25, you keep saying this. There, by the way, there are 26 verses there. And, and the reason I didn't read it too is I was afraid I'd lose your attention, but I probably should have read the whole thing because I want you to get this. God says, by the way, my faithful love endures forever. By the way, I'm going to tell you that 25 more times. 26 times, 26 verses, and God says, I want the world to get it. My love is faithful forever. He loves you in the middle of life. The Bible says in verse 12, with a strong outstretched arm, his faithful love endures forever. His love is reaching out to man. Leaves, reaches out throughout man's life. And if you look at your life, can you not see as you look back, maybe not as you look forward, but as you look back, can you not see the hand of the Almighty God rescuing you when you needed Him the most? God was always there. He's there. This view, by the way, of this protecting hand of God, this constant protecting hand of God, flies in the face of of what many people say in our society uh, that are liberals, as I say, for, for their theology, they look at creation and they believe the theory which is called theistic evolution or theistic creation, which basically has purports this view, that God is the one who created everything, and then he says, hands off, good luck, work your own salvation out. That's not what this book says. And God says, in the middle of your mess, I'm going to be there. In the middle of your stuff, I'm going to be there. In the middle of your crisis, I'll be there. God created man, and he stayed with us. And the Bible says here, he reaches his hand out to us, and he faithfully does. God is still reaching me, and God is still reaching out to you. And even in this room now, there's something going on in some of your hearts, maybe mine, that we need a powerful, almighty God to reach out and say, Jerry, I understand you. I get it. 
and I love you, and I care for you. And God says that to each one of you here today. God loves us. We see this view of the protecting hand of God and the people of Israel. His faithful hand was at work in their life. In fact, look at what he did. He did at least four or five things for them. Look, 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 you can jot these down. I'll go quickly. But notice this. When you look in this text, it says five things about, about God's love and how he protected the people of God, the people who believed in him. He released them from their battles. Amen. The Bible says in verse 10 that he defends them against the evil warriors of the Egyptian people. How many in here, you need God to release you from your battle? Raise your hand. You've got a battle. Come on, raise your hand. You got a battle. You need God to release you from that battle. He rebuked their enemies. He fought them in verse 11. He restored them when they were weak. In fact, it says with an outstretched arm, he rescued them with the weak. Can you imagine how weak the Israelites must have been when Pharaoh was chasing them and they were facing the giant Red Sea and say, run for your life and you got to go through this drowning bit of water to try to escape Pharaoh. But God's outstretched arm pulled the water back and says, walk on through on dry land. And God has you in his hand. He knows the battle you're facing. He knows you're facing an insurmountable battle in front of you. And he knows behind you there's an enemy chasing you. And God says, don't worry. Here's what God says. Don't forget, this is heavy theology. God says to you in our battles, in our, our wars, he says, I got this. I got this. They could not have escaped without the hand of a sovereign Almighty, omnipotent God. He was with them in the wilderness. They'd have gone hungry, they'd have starved, but God sent rescue for them. He res- restored them. He rescued them from defeat. He says in verse 24, I rescued them from the, you from your foes. I like the word foes. It reminds me of toes. <laughs> That's heavy theology, folks. But let me just say this, the next time you have somebody that, that, that is really stepping on your life and they're mean to you and they're like stepping on your feet, you say, would you just say this prayer? You, you can't, don't get this stuff at seminary. You don't get it at Valwood Park Baptist Church. Here's what you say, God in heaven, will, will, you, will you step on those people, my foes who are stepping on my toes? Get this again. Step on my foes who are stepping on my toes. God, would you take care of my foes so my toes don't hurt anymore? The bottom line is your toes get tired of walking that. And listen to this. Here's what God did. He rescued them from their foes. In doing that, he took care of their toes. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> he rebuked them when they were, he reached them, rather, when they were hungry. Verse 25 says he gives food for every creature. God is present during the span of life, the duration of life. There's never a time he walks away from us. I love to listen to some of that old music. I was watching the old Billy Graham show the other day. You can Google this if you want to and look at it. It was just really powerful. It meant a lot to me. The recording was kind of crude, but the message was powerful as this guest musician on this night of Billy Graham was Andre Crouch. He gets up and gives a little bit of testimony of how God had blessed him, how God had taken care of him, how God that was with him. And he writes... I've had many tears and sorrows. Raise your hand, folks. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times that I didn't know right from wrong, but in every situation, God gave gave blessed consolation 
that in my trials he gave them only to make me strong. Then he sings it. We can sing it. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus through it all. God loves you. And his message says, through it all, my love's going to be there. And then finally, he says, my love will be present at the end of man. Verse 26, he ends out saying this. Look at it in your text. Give thanks to God of heaven. That's how it ends out, the chapter. Give thanks to God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. God was there at the beginning of the man. He was there at the middle part of man's life, and he's there at the end. He is the God of the beginning and the end. And he's the God of the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, who was it that created man? Man became a living soul, we talked about Wednesday night. He's there at the end of man. Revelation 22, 13, our class, Steve's class is teaching that. And it says there, a great verse in verse 20, chapter 22, verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega. What is that? That's the beginning and the end of the alphabet in the Greek. I am the beginning and the end. I was there. I'm standing tall and strong and in control. When Adam messed up, I never lost control. And I'm there in the duration of life. And when everything comes to an end, I will still be standing. And I'm going to stand for you because I love you. That's what God says. What do we do for God who's always there loving us? Jot this down. Three things I think we should do. Give thanks. He is a God of love that finds us. Number two, give thanks that he's a God of love that's faithful to us. And give thanks. It's a God who forever loves us and will never, ever stop loving us. Sometimes we need somebody to tell us when we've gone too long in preaching sermons. I could take those 26 verses and make a series out of it. We could have done this for 26 weeks, folks. Uh, but I think people like shorter sermons, so I'll try to shorten mine. Unlike this preacher who was preaching way too long sermons, he was preaching for one hour. And people were literally falling out in the pews, slain in the spirit of what they, I don't know, but they were sleeping in the pews. His wife recognized, and wives often see things that men can't see. Can I get that witness, wives? You know, wives often can see. And wife often has an answer that man can't see. So she goes up to him after his one hour and ten minute sermon. And she says, honey, uh, you're preaching too long. So we've got to figure a way to not preach too long. So the next week he gets his sermon, tried to make it shorter. She knew he wouldn't be able to do it. So she walked up before he walked to the podium, the pulpit. And she said, honey, this is a lifesaver. When you start preaching your sermon... Put this lifesaver in your mouth. When it's all melted, then you be, you're finished. You, you, you're done. Don't, don't just say in Jesus' name, amen, when it all melts. <laughs> he preached for one, over one hour, and, 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 the, and the candy never melted. And so finally he, he finally just got tired, and she said, what happened? What happened to my plan? That should have melted by now. He said, honey, I, I did exactly like you said. I want you to be disappointed. Please don't be disappointed in me. But the candy never melted. Finally, I had nothing left to say. I was tired. I was ready to sit down. I, I stopped and I pulled the candy out of my mouth and realized I'd reached into my pocket and pulled out a button. <laughs> in a much greater way, not a button in your pocket, but God's love will never fade. 
never melt. It will never go dark. You can take that to the bank. His faithful love, his message, my faithful love endures forever. Let's pray together. I'm going to give an invitation. I'm going to ask some of you to come to the altar and pray. Maybe sometimes we need to not worry about what's happening to us and worry about what God is concerned about. But let's just go ahead and give God a valentine today. Let's tell God we love you. You can do it from your seat, but I want some of you to come to the altar. And maybe if you're here and you'd like to join the church, that'd be the great gift you'd give for God to get active in church and become part of a church again. Maybe you're here and you've not been serving the Lord like you need to be. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to be a servant because God loves you. How can we turn our backs on Him? I invite you to come. If you have any questions about salvation, trusting Christ, we'll be here to receive you. Father in heaven, bless those who need to make decisions. Help us to rejoice in your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand here and sing together.